John chapter 1. We're going to start with the first verse. And if you remember last week, we talked primarily about who Jesus is. That He is eternally the Son of God, the Creator of all things. And today we're going to see what He does. He is the light and the life. So we are in John chapter 1. And we'll read the first 13 verses. Gospel of John, New Testament, fourth book. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, John chapter 1. Here we go. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning through Him. All things were made. Without Him, nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This is not the writer of this book. This is John the Baptist. Verse 7, he came as a witness to testify concerning the light so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. Now, as I read that, think about the darkness. Someone had to say, hey, Jesus is the light. How dark does it have to be if you have to point somebody to the light? This darkness is a very serious thing. Verse 9, the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. And so, Lord, I pray that you give us eyes to see and a heart to believe. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Remember the first part of John. We saw who Jesus was, and we know the point of why John is writing this book. The reason he is writing this book, he clarifies in chapter 20, verse 30 and 31, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Life in his name. This book is eternally life changing and it all hinges on how you believe Jesus Jesus is the life if you want life it is found in Christ this past week was a big week for some of our guys we had a few birthdays this past week sincere Eisen turned 16 this past Wednesday Josh Cobbins turned 18 and the thing I love about these young men getting older and older are there are some really important decisions coming their way, some life-changing decisions coming their way. And Wednesday night we talked about some of these decisions. Where are you going to go to college? What career are you going to pursue? Who are you going to date? Who are you going to marry? Where are you going to live? Children. All of these life-changing decisions. Today, what you'll see in this text is an eternally life decision, life-changing decision. 
We were, I was looking up some things on Diedrich Bonhoeffer. Many of you may have known the name. Diedrich Bonhoeffer um, was born in Germany in the early 1900s, was a pastor as Hitler was coming to power. And under the Nazi regime, he decided and wrestled with how was he going to be a Christian in Nazi Germany. He joined the resistance. He was arrested for helping a group of Jews escape Germany. And he went from prison to prison, concentration camp to concentration camp, because of joining the resistance. And in this time, he would write letters back to loved ones and families, and some of them were recorded, but he mentioned how this one decision to join the resistance, whether it failed or not, would come to define his life. And if you know the story of his life, you know that in April, he was sentenced to death about four weeks before the war ended. One decision defined his earthly life. thought this was an interesting quote that he wrote back home. He said, the end, this is the end for me, but also for me the beginning of life. Here's a man who understood the power of a decision. And a decision to follow Christ meant an eternity with Christ. This is the decision set before you. Jesus is life and light. How will you respond to him? That's the decision we're going to be looking at this morning. And it will change your eternity. First, let's see this. Jesus is the life and the light. You see this in verse 4. In him was life. Life was the light of all mankind. We keep reading if you skip on down to verse 9. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. So here are these two truths about Jesus. Right? That Jesus is the life and that Jesus is the light. First, let's tackle this. Jesus is the life. Before we get to life, I want us to clarify a couple of things. Number one, if I were to ask you, Mike, you're sitting right next to Quincy. Is Quincy alive? Yeah, seems to be, right? His eyes are open. He's shaking his legs, blinking. Let's see if he has a pulse. Oh, yeah, he has a pulse. He's alive, right? And so when we see this, I was always confused growing up. Why is somebody considered dead in their sin? What is John talking about? He's talking about being spiritually dead. You know, on your own, you're not good before God. You're separated from God. And here's the scary part. There's a lot of people who think they can see, but they're spiritually blind. There's a lot of people who think they are alive, but spiritually dead. Cutting grass with my dad, every once in a while we'd rotate. Who was on the zero-turn mower? Well, my cousin got the winning call to go on this mower at Scott's Lawn Care. And I remember it. it's a huge field. It's nice. You want to be on the lasers, a zero-turn mower. And, and Jacob was pumped about his opportunity. He has his hat on. He has a full tank of gas. He has the mower. The, the blades are up to get it off of the trailer so you don't get caught. He gets down to where the field is. He turns the blades on, pushes the safety down, and he goes. 
has his music on, and he goes around one full time only to see my dad coming up to him. And he tells the story. It's like, I remember in my head saying, what am I doing wrong? It's too early to mess up this bad as my opportunity on the laser is dwindling. And dad gets to him and just says, hey, Jacob, you're doing a great job. But it helps if you lower the deck so you can cut the grass. He had forgot to lower the deck, so he was just going over the top of the grass, not actually cutting the grass. He thought he was doing something, but he wasn't. Now, that just wasted maybe about 10 minutes of mowing. But how scary and how eternally significant is it if you think you can see and you can't? Or if you think you're alive to God, but you're dead? You see the gravity of John chapter 1? You see the seriousness of this text? We live in a world filled with people who can't see the glory of Jesus. Spiritually blind, spiritually dead. And so when Jesus says, I am the life, you want to know what that means? If you want life, you only find it in him. If you want to see, if you want out of darkness, you got to go to the light. And his name is Jesus. And so you'll, you'll see this uh, throughout the text, but also throughout the Gospel of John, how he describes Jesus as being the life and the light. John Piper has a helpful commentary on this point, and he says this, Most people we see in our everyday lives look alive. If you tell them they are dead, they'll think you've lost your mind. But if you substitute spiritual blindness and darkness for deadness, then you start to see what John means. People aren't dead because they can't walk or talk or think or feel or even see with physical eyes. They are dead because seeing they do not see. They don't see Jesus as supremely valuable. They don't see his sacrifice as precious. They don't see his fellowship as their greatest treasure. They are blind to these things. They walk in darkness. They are spiritually dead to the greatest of all realities. They are going to see these things and receive them. They must have life. Life will make seeing possible. That's why when you hear Jesus is the life and the light, it's an eternally big deal. In John 5, 24, later on in his gospel, Jesus is speaking very truly. I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes in me who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, but has crossed over from death to life. You see, there's a time coming when all of us will breathe our last. But there's a second death that's far more serious. It's painted in the picture Revelation, an eternal lake of fire. And this is where pain and suffering and regret will remain forever. Spiritually dead, forever. But Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Come to me and you won't walk in darkness. I am the way, the truth, and the life. If you want to get to the Father, it's through the Son. Ephesians 2.1 says this, As for you, you were dead in your trespasses and transgressions and sin. Colossians 2.13, You were dead in your sins, but God made you alive in Christ. Spiritually dead can have spiritual life because Jesus is the life. 
we keep moving. Not only is he the life, but he's also the light. And Isaiah 9 2, this is, this is an awesome text for Christmas. Isaiah 9 2, you may have heard this. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. Who is the text talking about? Talking about Jesus. John 8 12, when Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Light and life are found in Jesus. John 10, 10, I have come not so that they may have life and life to the fullest. Light and life are found in Jesus. Now, what does that mean for your life and my life today? How does that truth change us today? Not only do we have eternal life believing in Christ, but what does that mean for you and me today? That means life is found in Christ. So, you have a world that's saying life is about this, 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 or this. But if we know where life and life to the fullest is found, we want to run and pursue and hold on to Jesus. That changes what you set your mind to in the morning. That changes what you think about at night before you fall asleep. If Jesus is your life, he will be primary every second of the day. That also means if Jesus is the light, you'll know how to navigate this world. There's a lot of advice out there, a lot of philosophies out there saying how you should live and how you should think. But it's darkness. We were up here a couple uh, Wednesdays ago putting up this Christmas tree. And when you turn off the lights in here at night, it is dark. Now, I don't know who was over here. Somebody put a box up over here, and I thought it was funny. I'll just turn the lights off on them. Now, imagine Mike and Quincy coming out this door, trying to get to that door without a light. Do you think Quincy's saying, oh, Mike, come over here. This is the spot. Do you think Mike should trust him since they're both in darkness? We live in a world filled with people living in darkness, and we think they know the way to the light. But they don't have the light. Who is the light? Jesus. Jesus is the light. So this is what I, I'm not a smart guy. I'm pretty simple. I know what Jesus says is true. I know that he is the light. So when he says, this is how you should go, I'm going to walk that way. He is the light. Do you see how this changes your day-to-day life? We played tag team dodgeball. This is a couple years ago, before I knew better. We had doubles dodgeball, and and this was for a basketball practice because we were going to build teamwork. Try, try to learn how you can depend on your teammate. Well, it backfired. DeMarcus, stand up. Let's say DeMarcus and I were partners. Face that way. So you had to hold him right like this, and this guy was blindfolded. And all the dodgeballs were all over the gym. And so we're just walking around, walking around, walking around. If I get hit, I'm out. This guy can't see, but the only way I can get a ball off the ground is if he hands it to me. So I'm leading him around, leading him around, leading him around. Well, you guys know Malachi. Malachi's partner gets him right here. And let's say this is the bench for Holmes High School. Well, there's railings for the stands right behind the bench. And in between the chairs, there was a dodgeball. So Malachi's partner says, hey, bend down and get that ball. Malachi, how would you, stand back here, how would you bend down to get a ball? Just like that. Malachi bends down like that, and guess what he hits? The bar. You can sit down, you can sit down. 
he hits the bar. His nose slices. He starts bleeding, and his partner says, why did you bend down like that? <laughs> he couldn't see. And in his case, there was something to be avoided. You want to know what's crazy? How do people not see the glory that belongs to Christ? In their case, there's something that they really need to see. And they can't see it. Why? Because they're blinded to the light. So Jesus is the life. Jesus is the light. You could use the, the illustration of a fire. If you're freezing to death, you don't want to move further from the fire. You want to move closer to the fire so it warms you. If you want to walk in the light, it's not found away from Jesus. If you want life into the fullest, it's not found at a party getting drunk or smoking or hanging out with all these other girls or guys. Life is found in Christ. You get closer to Him. I think uh, another way you could, you could do this, every morning, I try to be careful, but I drive by faith. This is what I mean. Cars out front, Birch Avenue, the windshield as the winter gets colder and colder is just covered in frost and ice. And now I have a scraper, and it does enough to knock snow off, and that's about it. Not a real good scraper. And I'm out there scraping, trying to get the ice off. It's not working. Got to get to school on time. So I turn the defrost up as high as it goes, and as soon as I get a little bit of clearance, I think I can go. But you know what comes after you can see? The fog. And so by the time I get to Madison Avenue, I'm thinking, that's probably not a great idea. I need to pull off the road so I can see. I can't see. If you're going to navigate life, you'll never do so in the darkness. You'll only do so through the lens that is Christ. He is the light. Let him direct your path. Jesus is the life and the light. Now, here's the crazy part. Look at how the world responds. The creator of the universe comes to this earth, placed in a manger, wrapped in swaddling clothes. All the glory of the universe is his, and the world misses it. Listen to their response. You see this in verse 5 and then 9 through 11. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And then skip on down to verse 9. True light that gives light to everyone is coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but they did not receive him. You see the three responses of the world? If you notice in verse 5, it says the light shines in the darkness. The light's still shining. The light is still shining. And yet the world is still responding in these three ways. When you see this, um, the, K, uh, the King James Version says the darkness does not comprehend it. The darkness comprehend it not is how the KGV, KJV reads it. And the NASB, the New American Standard Bible, is the darkness did not grasp it. Did not grasp it. And the NIV and ESV, the darkness has not overcome it. And it's this idea that the world has no idea who came to earth. They don't see Jesus, they don't understand him, and they definitely don't follow him. So they try to fight him. 
They try to extinguish the light. In verse 10, you see another way the world responds. The world does not recognize Jesus as the light or the life. Even though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. It's a lot of people today. You know, church buildings should be filled with people worshiping their creator. And yet many people have no idea who that is. Many people live life as if life is all about themselves. They don't recognize their creator. So not only do they not grasp who Jesus is, they don't recognize him. You find the third response. They don't receive him. They don't receive Jesus as the light or the life. Verse 11, he came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. And see, you can ignore Jesus. You can try to live your life without him, but you will never, ever know how to please God nor have life in God. You keep reading in John 3, and we'll get to this. Uh, next week, we're going to look at how the Word became flesh. The week after that, Christmas Day, we're going to look at John three sixteen, the greatest gift ever given. Right after that, you have this text, John three nineteen to 21. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people loved darkness instead of light. Why? Because their deeds are evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. <clears throat> if a verse summarizes the world in which we live in today, that is it. We don't want to walk in the light because we love what is evil. John twelve forty six. I have come into the world as a light so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. There's your opportunity. There's the decision you can make. And so make no mistake, the light exposes everything. And here's the scary part. We all in this room have things in our life that we don't want exposed. Our thoughts, our actions. We know that if you look at our lives 24-7, there are things that don't measure up to God's standard. And the light exposes it. You want to know what's painful sometimes coaching? Watching video. Watching the game film. We had one coach a few years ago says, does the tape lie? And what he meant was, you can say whatever you want to in the middle of a game. But when we watch the video, everything will be seen. What you do well and all of your mistakes. You see, when you come to Jesus, he is the perfect standard. And he shows us how far we fall short. We don't measure up. We fall short. We don't love our neighbors like we love ourselves all the time. We don't love God with all our heart, soul, minds, and strengths 24-7. We don't measure up. And the light exposes that in us. But now here's the good news. You know how they tried to extinguish the light? They nailed him to a cross. You know how they tried to stamp out the light? They crucified him and buried him. But you know what happened after three days? You can't keep Jesus in the grave. Why? Because he is the life. And you can't keep life dead. Here's the awesome news. You know how none of us want to be exposed? Jesus was exposed for us on the cross. 
You want to know what's covered on the cross? Everything that we want to hide. And you want to know the awesome news, the great news, the gospel news? Is that when you confess your sin to God, all of that stuff, all of that garbage, all of that sin is covered by the blood of Christ. He was exposed so that you could have life. He died so you could live with him for all eternity. Can you imagine people trying to hide away and pretending everything's okay? That's what it means to be the life and the light. One reality, Jesus is the life. Second reality, apart from Christ, there is no life. Third reality, if you're in Christ, you have life. And if you have life, you can see the light. We keep reading, and we get to verses 12 and 13. God brings new birth. And this is a tough passage for some because God gets the credit and not us. And I want you to hear this. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. And I think this is very important. I think this explains a little bit from verse 4 and a little bit from verse 9, how the true light that gives light to everyone, the true light that shines on all of mankind, it's kind of like uh, our thanks celebration last week. Not everybody ate, but there was enough food. Everybody had the opportunity to eat. Some had to leave early. Some couldn't make it. But there was enough food here for everyone that went downstairs to grab a plate. In the same way, salvation is available for all. It's an open invite. Whoever wants to follow Jesus can. And yet at the same time, what we see here is that you must be born of God. Not by natural descent. That means you're not born a Christian. Doesn't matter who your parents were. Your parents' faith does not save you. An older brother, an older sister, an aunt, a grandma's faith will not save you. You're not born into the family of God. At least not physically. Secondly, it's not by a human decision. It's not because you're so smart you made the great decision to do this or that. It's not because you showed up to church so much you don't earn it. It's a gift. Not by the will of another. I cannot save any of you. And you cannot save anyone else. If you have a child that's far from the Lord, you wish you could. And yet, you cannot give them saving faith. So how does this happen? Only through being born of God. God saves. And I think this makes sense. How can a dead person live? Think about this. When Jesus goes to the tomb of Lazarus, how much credit was given to Lazarus for walking out of the tomb? Zero. Who got the credit? Jesus. Jesus shows up to this funeral days later. His family saying, hey, Jesus, you might not want to open that tomb. He's going to stink. And what does Jesus say? I am the resurrection and the life. Jesus knows exactly what he was doing. It wasn't a hard thing for him to say, Lazarus, get up. And then later on, we see how can a, blind, a spiritually blind person see? In John eleven thirty six 36 to 37, this is what the crowd was saying. 
He said, see how he loved them. Jesus was weeping for this brother that had died, and he knows that he's going to raise him from the grave. You see how he loved them? They go on, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? You see, the crowd had this right. They had saw him heal a person. And we're going to read this account in just a little bit. But they saw how he could open up the eye, and they thought, you know what? He could have healed Lazarus of being sick. But you wonder what they didn't think? They didn't think Jesus could make a dead person alive. That's exactly what Jesus did. Why? Because Jesus is the life. So in John chapter 9, if you're taking notes, you need to write this down because you meet a guy. A guy that had been blind since birth. In John chapter 9, I'm going to read through this and stop and make some side comments because this helps us see how Jesus is the light and how people think they can see, but they're blind. They think they can see, but they're blind. And I don't want you to be one of those people that think they see, but are actually blind. So please follow along. Listen carefully as we get through this. John chapter 9, verse 1. As he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man or his parents sinned, said Jesus. But this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. Verse 4, as long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. This blind person is about to see the light of the world. Verse 6, after saying this, spit on the ground, made some mud with saliva, put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means sent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing his neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging asked isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg some claimed he was he was others said no he just looks like him but he himself insisted i am the man now isn't that amazing here was a man that's been blind all his life and everybody's talking about him and he's like hey i hear what you're saying that is me And now I can see. No, you just look like him. How then were your eyes open, they asked. He replied, the man they called Jesus made some mud, put it on my eyes. He told me to go to Shalom and wash. So I went and washed, and then I could see. Where is this man, they asked. I don't know, he said. They brought him to the Pharisees, the man who had been blind. Now the day on which Jesus had made the mud and opened the man's eyes was the Sabbath. Therefore the Pharisees asked him, how he had received his sight. Another people group asking about this man's sight. The Pharisees were the religious leaders of the day. The people that should have had 20-20 vision. You'll come to see that they are actually blind. How'd you receive sight? He put mud on my eyes, he replied, wash, and now I see. Some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others asked, how can a sinner perform such signs? So they were divided. Then they turned again to the blind man. What have you to say about him? It was your eyes he opened. The man replied, he is a prophet. Do you see the man who could see still blind? They still did not believe that he had been blind and had received the sight until they sent for the man's parents. (laughs) So nobody's listening to this guy. Nobody's listening. Is this your son? They asked, is this the one you say was born blind? How is it that now he can see? 
We know he is our son, the parents answered, and we know that he was born blind. All right, so those are two facts they were looking for. Yeah, that's our boy. Yeah, he was blind. But how he can see now, or who opened his eyes, we don't know. Ask him. He is of age. He will speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid the Jewish leaders, who already had decided that anyone who acknowledged that Jesus was the Messiah would be put out of the synagogue. That is why his parents said he is of age keep reading second time they summoned the man been blind give glory to god by telling the truth they said we know this man is a sinner he replied whether he is a sinner or not i don't know one thing i do know i was blind but now i see then they asked him what did he do to you how did he open your eyes do you see the redundancy this man's witnessing to the light of the world and they won't see it. He answered, I have told you already, and you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you too want to become a disciple? Then they hurled insults at him and said, You are this fellow's disciple? We are disciples of Moses. We know that God spoke to Moses, but for this fellow, we don't even know where he comes from. Hmm. The creator of the universe, and these guys don't have a clue. Verse 30, the man answered, now, what, now that is remarkable. You don't know where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners. He listens to the godly person who does his will. Nobody has ever heard of opening up the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. To this, they replied, you were steeped in sin at birth. How dare you lecture us? And they threw him out. You see the response to light? Not the end of the story. There's a greater miracle coming. Jesus heard that they had thrown him out. And when he found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? The blind man asked, Who is he, sir? Tell me, so that I may believe in him. Jesus said, You have now seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. Then the man said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. You see, this is the greatest miracle in the chapter. A man who was spiritually blind now has spiritual sight. Jesus said, For judgment I have come into this world, so that the blind will see, and those who see will become blind. Some Pharisees who were with him heard him say and asked, What? Are we blind too? Jesus said, If you were blind, you would not be guilty of sin, but now that you claim you can see, your guilt remains. Do you see what Jesus is saying there? The Pharisees saw no need for Christ. And therefore were blind. They didn't see the glory of God even though he was standing before them. They thought they could see and yet were blind. How about you? How about you? How do you have eternal life? You can't earn it. You're not born into it. It's only through believing in Christ. And now you see there's, there's four things that come together here. Believing in Jesus, receiving Christ, child of God, born of God. Now here's the thing. If I close my eyes and I open my eyes, what happens first? Opening my eyes or seeing the light? I close them. I open. It's the same time. Right? As soon as they're open, I see light. 
close them, no light open, see light. Here's the awesome news. You want to know how you're born of God? You believe in Jesus. You receive Christ as Lord. And we never know how the Spirit is moving, but I do know this. If there is a desire in your heart right now, that might be God calling you to himself. Is there a desire in your heart to trust that what Jesus did on the cross will save you? Then follow him as Lord. Do you believe that God raised him from the dead after three days? Do you believe that his sacrifice paid for your sin? Then receive spiritual sight. You can have eternal life, and what John keeps on saying all throughout his gospel is this through believing. Have you ever made a decision to believe in Jesus? Maybe that's why you're here today. And it could be that the person that's been here for 60, 70 years, but has never seen the glory of Christ, and today God is opening up your eyes. Or it could be to the person that this is your first day in a church building. But if God is moving, respond to the light. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for drawing us here this morning. Lord, I thank you for your son, Jesus. In him we have life. In him we have light. And Father, I pray that as you move now, that you'll draw people to yourself. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen.